Let's go to Hosea chapter number one while you're finding that because you're Baptist and you probably haven't read in Hosea in about six months. And I've got some of the some of the young men from our church. Why don't you guys go ahead and hand these out? They're going to give you something. Do not write on it. Uh, just keep it uh, there with you where you can access it later. And all right, boys, just give them a handful. Let them pass them down. It's going to take a while here. Amen. Hosea chapter number one. Hosea chapter number one, and we're going to read beginning in verse number three, and you are familiar, no doubt, with the overall message and theme of the book of Hosea, and God used Hosea to give a very clear message, two clear messages really, one of them being that they have been unfaithful, and he wanted them to see exactly what that looked like from God's point of view. And so, as you probably know, I certainly wouldn't assume everyone here knows, but God asked Hosea to marry a woman of the streets. The Bible calls it a wife of whoredom. And so someone who did not understand loyalty certainly did not practice it. And God asked him to marry her knowing that she would not be faithful. And... The picture, of course, is that God purchased us. We are his people, uh, but he was letting them know that they had not been faithful. Now, the beauty of this is he knew they would not be faithful, and he wanted them anyway. And the message throughout Hosea constantly repeats that. Even at one point after she leaves, he tells her to go and purchase her back and love her as a husband. Not as, not as somebody with a grudge, not as somebody holding something against, but love her as a husband, as if nothing happened. And if that's not a great picture of what forgiveness is, uh, then I don't know what is. And, and so just the book of Hosea, I would encourage you, read it and read it and read it, read it, read it every day for a month. Just get down this wonderful picture of how much God loves them. Hosea chapter 1, we'll start in verse number 3. Does everybody have one of those names? Does anybody not have one? On the back row back there, guys, does anybody have any left? Um, okay, you have some. Thank you, brother. All right, two back there. All right, that should be it. Hosea chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Let's go ahead and stand in honor of God's word as we read Hosea chapter number 1. And beginning in verse number 3. And let's just start in verse number two. I just got a sense that maybe some people aren't familiar with this book, and that's wonderful. Praise the Lord for new Christians and getting to know God's word. And so we welcome you and praise the Lord that you're here. And so Hosea chapter one, verse number two, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. 
And God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Rahamah, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rahamah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Three children that are born, and God tells them, as he had at other times, you know, his name shall be called Jesus, his name shall be called John. There were other times when God chose the name of individuals. And here in the book of Hosea, she has three children, and he gives them the names and the reasons for these names. So let's pray. We'll get into this uh, text here. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. And God, I pray that we can continue to hear from you this afternoon. We ask for you to give every word to speak. Lord, I pray that hearts would be open to this truth that we find in your word here this afternoon. And in Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Brother Potter, you want to throw me one of them waters up here? We are familiar with Proverbs chapter number, played it safe, played it safe. <laughs> we are familiar with Proverbs chapter number 22 and verse number 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than what? Great riches. We know that names mean something, especially throughout God's word. Names mean something. Uh, In fact, I looked up the name Thomas is a Greek word that means twin. Kind of scary, I know, but that's what it says. And according to one website, only took me 45 minutes to find it, Thomas is a name that is often associated with intelligence and wit. It's amazing what what, it's amazing what Wikipedia allows you to add. But we also know that names mean a lot more in the Bible than what they do now. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20, Adam called his wife's name Eve, not because it was just a pretty name, but because she was the mother of all living. The name Eve means mother of all living. And so the name meant something. It gave an identity. Exodus chapter 2 and verse number uh, verse number 10, when Pharaoh's daughter called out Moses or pulled Moses out of the river, it says she called his name Moses and she said, because I drew him out of the water. And of course, Moses means drawn out. Now, little did she know that God had a different meaning for that name, drawing God's people out of Egypt. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 20, of course you're familiar with 1 Samuel and Hannah desiring a son. And it says, wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel in saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. The name Samuel means asked of the Lord. And so names were not just chosen based on a, a maybe a family heritage, though that did start at, at some point. But they meant something, and they had value. And in Genesis chapter number 35, you may remember that uh, Rachel is giving birth to who we know to be Benjamin, 
But she said, and she died in giving birth to him, she said, call him Benoni, which means son of my pain. And so she chose a name based on the event and it told a story And because names mean something, oftentimes as you read God's word, you see where names are changed. And so Rachel said, call him Benoni, son of my pain, but we know that his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Well, that's quite a bit of a difference in meaning. And so son of my right hand. In Philippians chapter 9, I love this. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at that name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is, by the way, what makes Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8 so wonderful and so amazing is Jesus' name never needed changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so though we see a lot of names changed throughout God's word, aren't you glad Jesus is not one of them? And the Muslims and everybody else can say they believe in a Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus, I can assure you of that. But many did have their name changed because of something that happened or an event in their life. And maybe some changed. Genesis chapter 17, uh, Dad spoke on these verses a little bit. And he says, no, neither shall thy name be any more call, be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Abram, of course, the father is exalted to Abraham, the father of many nations. There was an event that took place. And of course, that event was he got serious with who God was when God showed up. And God kept his promise with giving him a seed that would carry a nation And he says, because of this, I am changing your name. In Ruth chapter 1, in verse number 20, you remember Ruth. When she came back, she said, call me no more Ruth, but call me Naomi, because God hath dealt bitterly with me. And we know that name Mara means bitter. And so she said, I want my name changed based on the fact I ran from God. Our family ran from God. And there was destruction and judgment and chastening that come. And I come back and I am bitter. And God has dealt bitterly with me. So call me Mara. And the best part of that whole thing is nobody listens to her. And says it's not about your story or your mistake. You're back now and let's keep moving forward. And that's the way we ought to view when people come back. Genesis chapter 35 verse verse number 10. Jacob, of course, name changed to Israel. God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. That was his past. To now Israel, which means he who strives with God. But this was a good striving. 
This wasn't a fighting God trying to get away from him, but rather a holding on to him saying, don't leave me, don't let me go. And of course, God had to touch his thigh and and injure him, something that he walked with the rest of his life as a reminder. And he says, your name is no more deceiver, but rather you are one who fought with God or strove with God to the point that you didn't want to so much as take a step without him. What a wonderful name change. But it wasn't always God who changed their name. During the Babylonian captivity, Nebuchadnezzar's prince of the eunuchs changed the Hebrews' names. We know in Daniel, says, now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, we know that name, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. If you were to ask the average churchgoer who that is, we'd probably think some minor prophet somewhere. He says, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Daniel means God is my judge, but Belteshazzar, think of this insult, Belteshazzar means this, lady, protect the king. How's that for a degrading name? Hananiah means grace, mercy, gift of the Lord. They changed it to Shadrach, which means command of Eku, one of the gods. Michelle meant who is like God. And they change it to Meshach, which means who is like Eku, their false god. Azariah means helped by God to Abednego that means servant of Nebu, another false god. Names were changed all throughout God's word. A name told you a lot about a person. And this happens many times and no doubt even now you're probably thinking of different names throughout scripture and the names that were changed and and how those changes came about. We know Lucifer means bearer of light. It was changed to Satan, which means accuser or adversary. Levi was changed to Matthew, which means God's gift. Hadessa is changed to Esther, which meant to hide or to cover. The names mean something. And in Hosea chapter 1, we see three names that are given by God. As God makes this statement to his people in verse number 4, he starts off, and the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel. The name Jezreel means God sows. In other words, God is the one who planted you here. And another way of reading that would be in Joshua chapter 24 when he said you live in cities you didn't build, you eat of of gardens that you didn't plant, you live in houses that you didn't build. God had a promised land for them and he brought victory. He knocked the walls down at Jericho. He fed them along the way till they got there. And so he is reminding them in this name Jezreel, I am the one who planted you here. I am the one who put you here. And now in verse number four, he says this, for yet a little while and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. I will cause the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. What he's saying is this, your mom said it this way, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That's what God is saying by this name. I planted you, 
And I have every right for harvest to come. I have every right to pull you back out. The name meant something. He goes on in, in verse number 6 and he calls the daughter Lorahama. Uh, it means not having obtained mercy. Can you imagine being named no more mercy? Not pitied. I want to remind us today that God's mercy is not owed to a single one of us. God does not owe you to be merciful to you. And that word mercy simply means not getting what you deserve. If you sin today and God chooses to chasten you today, he, does, he, he, has no, he has no promise to you that there will not be mercy for every mistake that you make. Now the beauty of this, and think about this statement, the mercies of God are new every morning. That means this, God plans every day on not giving you the justice that you deserve. That's amazing. But now he says to name her, I want you to name her Lorahama, meaning there is no more mercy. And when people see your name, they will know that there is no more mercy. And when people hear that your name is Jezreel, it will mean that God is the one who planted you here and a reminder to them that it was God who put them there. And when judgment came, they could not blame God because it was of their own making. Verse number nine, perhaps one of the saddest names, Loemi, not my people, not my people. They were not identifying as God's people. They were not living according to God's law. They were not worshiping God's way. And though God knows that they are his, and, and even in, in chapter 11, he refers to them as my son. I brought you out of Egypt and I delivered you and I fed you and I was one who took the yoke off of your neck and I laid meat before you. I mean, he loves them and he cares for them and he has compassion for them. And now because of the way that they are living, God says, I have a name for you and that name is I planted you here, but you are not honoring the one who planted you here. And so you are being removed and I am naming you no more mercy. You have, you have taken the mercy for granted and you are not appreciating it. You are not living up to it. And so no more mercy. And I am naming you not my people. And then he goes on and says, and I will not be your God. You want to talk about a pretty serious statement. If you're not acting like my child, why should I act like your father? You know what we do sometimes? We take the goodness of God. We mistake God's goodness for his approval. God's mercy is not a statement of acceptance and approval. And God's graciousness is not a statement of it's not that bad. This whole, there's a whole flood coming across our, our churches right now with this idea of secondary doctrines. Can I just, there is no such thing as a secondary doctrine. If it's from God's word, it is primary. And it ought to be abided by and it ought to be lived by. And if it has the name doctrine behind it, then it is settled and it is done. And yet we're, we're in this, 
this idea that we don't have to fully live like God's people in order to be God's people. Listen, the liberal movement figured that out a long time ago. But that's not who we are. And so, at least I'm hoping that's not who we are. So he gives them this name and he is saying, I am giving you this name because it means something. And what I want us to see this this afternoon is that these are not just names of individuals, but they are statements by God. I'm going to call them this, a name badge from heaven. A name badge from heaven. When we think about God wanting to work in our heart and maybe even going into a revival meeting or or even a day like this we we think of verses like psalm chapter 51 verse 10 where david said create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me i think if we were to ask this afternoon how many men would like to honestly tell God, create in me a clean heart. I want a clean heart. And maybe you find yourself mixing this with with what Paul said in Romans chapter number seven. I want this, but I'm struggling to accomplish this. But I really do. I want God to create in me a clean heart and a right, renew a right spirit within me. I want that to be who I am. Or maybe Psalm chapter 139 and verse number 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. And God can do it. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I believe one of the most valuable things that we can do this afternoon comes down to one word, honesty. What good is a men's meeting without honesty? What changes are made in a men's men's meeting without honesty? truth is we fight our ego more than we care to admit honesty I wonder what would happen if if God granted that prayer search me oh God you have before you a name badge Don't write on it. My question is this. Are you willing to let God fill that in? Search me, O God. Honesty. If you're going to give a name that's more than just a name, but a statement from God to me, what name are you putting on this? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. I wonder if God would take a pen and 
write on your name badge from heaven. And perhaps he would look at your life and he would, your, your name badge would say, hello, my name is Doubt. Or hello, my name is Confused. You're trying to live the Christian life, but you're not even sure it's worth it. You really don't even know what's real and what's not. I'm talking about honesty. I'm not talking about, the, I'm not talking about what the person next to you thinks. I'm talking about you, you're giving your name to, badge to heaven, to God. Hello, my name is Financially Worried. My name is Struggling Family. My name is Health Concerns. Or hello, my name is Little Faith. My name is Overwhelmed. Or hello, my name is Searching. My name is Lonely. It's amazing how many people can be around you and you still feel lonely. Hello, my name is Hurting. Hello, my name is Angry. I'm not asking you what I think about you. I'm not even asking what your pastor would write on there. I'm saying if God took that name tag and you allowed him to be honest, what would he write on there? Or maybe he would look at your sin. And your name badge would say, hello, my name is Lust. Hello, my name is Keeper of the Tithe. Hello, my name is Dishonest. My name is Hatred. Hello, my name is Unkind. Hello, my name is Secret Addiction. Sower of Discord. Or hello, my name is Selfish. It's amazing how kind you can pretend to be. Or maybe he would look at your character. Hello, my name is Cheater. Hello, my name is Deceiver. I think we need more messages on deceiving. Hello, my name is Lazy. This one would probably be on my name tag, in all honesty. My name is Procrastinator. Hello, my name is Control. I'm fine as long as I have control. Or maybe God would write, your name is pride. Conceited. My name is jealousy. Hello, my name is self-righteous. I can say that one again, probably. Well, here's a good test. If so far I haven't mentioned your name at all, that one was for you. (laughs) 
I don't know if I'm teaching or preaching, but that was good, whatever it was. <laughs> or maybe, imagine this. Imagine if, imagine if a room this full of men going back to your churches were willing to give God that name badge. God, you tell me. If you're going to name, if you're giving my name, What is on it? What is being written? And maybe he would look at your walk with God. And maybe your name badge would say, Hello, my name is part-time. My name is convenience. As long as it's convenient... Hello, my name is occasionally. How about hello, my name is unsatisfied. I don't think we would, I, I think we would be fooling ourselves if we didn't think that there aren't, isn't some man in here that is unsatisfied with the path that God has allowed you to leave, to live, to live, to lead, be unsatisfied. How about this one? Hello, my name is Pretend. There's, there's a good chance even in this room there's a lost person and you're the, you and God are the only ones who knows it. And you've been pretending for so long. And now, it's, now not only do you have pretend on there, but you have pride also. How about hello, my name is Conditional. God, as long as you, then I will. As long as everything is this way, then I'll be this way. As long as everything is in its place, then I will serve God and I will be there. I had somebody tell me I'd move the flag over to the side like that and they said to call them when the flag's back in the middle and they'll be back in church. That's real. I looked for balance. I couldn't find it. (laughs) So here's my question. You have this name badge in front of you. But are you willing to give that to God? And are you ready to see what's written on it? Are you ready? I preached this at home, and one man said, I need another name badge. This one's full. Truth is, that could be all of us. It could be every one of us. Would you ask God to do what he says in Jeremiah 17.10? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Even, notice this, to give every man according to his ways. Not according to how you think, not according to what you want, but according to who you are. But I'm not sure we all want the answer. Would you ask for a name according to your ways, according to the fruit of your doings? To say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts.
Because if we want the men of our churches to be what they are supposed to be, it's going to require honesty. We don't need men who can play the game. We don't need men who know how to act and know how to dress and know what to say. All of those things ought to be in place. But we need men who are going to be honest with who they are and where they are and have a heart that is open to let God reveal to you who you are as a person because the beautiful part of all of this is that God is good at changing names. And when he changed the name of Jacob, it was because he met with God. And when he changed the name of Abram, it's because he met with God. And it doesn't matter what was on that name tag in the past or what is on that name tag today. You have a God in heaven who can change names and thank God he does. I'm glad my name doesn't have to stay the way it used to be. I think if you get my name tag, there's a lot of names still on it. But in real big, bold print right in the middle is forgiven. And there's a whole, listen, there's a whole lot of names that are written with a scratch through it. Because God changes our name. He changes. And the the sad reality is many of us started off life with good names, living for God, serving God. And unfortunately, that name had to change to unfaithful and disloyal and traitor and unfaithful to God. And our name had to be changed. But it can be changed back. It can be changed back. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. Let me ask you this. What do you need God to do in your heart? What do you need God to do in your home? What do you need God to do in your marriage? What do you need God to do in your walk with Him? Because He can do it. But it will never happen if it does not start with honesty. With a blank name badge saying, God, I am giving this to you. You write on this name badge. And what happens is when you see that, and I trust that you'll keep this with you and keep it in your Bible. And every time you see it, that becomes your prayer list. God created me a clean heart. Search me and try me. Be to me what only you can be. We could go through so many different names and so many different truths, and I think the the point here has certainly been established. But we need some people who are just willing to, we need some men who are willing to say it doesn't matter what my role is, my title is, or how long I've been in this church. God, I'm giving you a blank name tag. You write on it. You fill it in. Then help me to be who I'm supposed to be so that that name can change. And it can only happen through God. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.